The first season finale of House of the Dragon was its most cinematic episode to date. There were many callbacks to the first couple of episodes and a few to the original series. It culminates with a tragically epic finish that continues the pattern of misunderstandings, miscommunications, and errors in judgment getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It begins with what ultimately becomes a bit of misdirection. Luke is standing by himself overlooking the painted table of Westeros, foreshadowing him being alone above the world at the end of the episode, right until he isn't. If Vegar could talk, she might have said, there you are, to Luke, as Rhaenyra did when she came into the room. Luke dreads the death of the sea snake, but by the end of the episode, Lord Corlys is back on his feet, and it is Lucerys and Arax that we must say goodbye to. A pattern in this episode is discussions, especially held in the room of the painted table, interrupted by news or an arrival. Right here in this first scene, it is Rhaenys who has arrived, and their expectation is that she's brought word of the sea snake. But we know she's just come from King's Landing with word that Viserys is dead, and Aegon has been crowned and anointed in front of a huge crowd of the dragon pit. Rhaenys says she did nothing to stop it because it's not her war to start and defers to her husband as to where they will stand. Damon, who expressed suspicion before this episode, outright states, Allison had the king murdered. For the rest of this episode, except perhaps for a few moments of grief, he's like a caged animal demanding to be unleashed. Rhaenyra says he has gone to madness. The news appears to trigger early labor for Rhaenyra, but instead of accepting help from her nurses, she asks for her sons. Damon heads to the painted table and begins issuing orders, pointing out that if the Greens make an early move, it will be via stealth. It's ironic that the one person he accused of murder, Alicent, is the main person who stopped Otto's plan to have them all stealthily murdered. Her and Harold Westerling, of course. And though we might have expected him to show up, he has not yet, so that's left open. As Damon continues to give orders, Rhaenyra can be heard screaming for him in the background, but he's unrelenting. Rhaenyra informs Jace and Luke that their grandfather's passed and what the Greens have done. She reminds Jace that he is now heir to the Iron Throne and must behave accordingly. Her labor progresses... But she still refuses help and doesn't even take a seat, let alone lie down. During the scene, her straining and crying is interspersed with flashes of Cyrax, who appears to be suffering alongside her. It's notable that we got no such scene when she bore Joffrey in episode 6. The worst comes to pass as the child is born still with severe deformities, missing a leg entirely. Her skull looked misshapen, and I'm not sure she had arms. The connection to Cyrax in this moment reminds us of Danny's child Rago and other histories of Targaryen children born with too much dragon in them, for lack of a better term. Like Alicent Rhaenyra hesitates to do anything that would go against her father's attitudes, she will not simply go straight to war. First, they will take stock of their allies and their enemies and weigh their options accordingly. She's not going to simply go straight to surrendering either. Damon clearly doesn't agree, claiming the line has already been crossed. The throne has already been stolen. This is rebellion, not something to be negotiated. This is highlighted by how he renews the loyalty of Sir Laurent Marbrand and Sir Stefan Darklin of the Kingsguard. There will be fealty or a quick death, or there will be a slow death if there's treachery. Minus the threats of torture, it's very similar to Rob Stark dominating his vassals with Grey Wind snarling beside him. Next comes a funeral for the infant, who was wrapped by Rhaenyra herself while Damon grieved at the beach, still clutching Dark Sister, which he never seems to let go of all episode long. 
The somber moment is interrupted by the arrival of Sir Eric, who not only swears his service to her, but brings the crown of her father. Damon pauses a moment overcome before placing it on his wife's head and kneeling to her as queen. All but Rhaenys bend the knee as well. It's got a lot in common with Daenerys' final scene in season one. There's the burning of the dead, and both result in a spontaneous round of kneeling. Danny becomes Khaleesi as the call dies, and Rhaenyra becomes queen. By the way, let's take a moment to realize that in one day, Rhaenyra lost her father, her throne, and her child. Then she was crowned, held a council, and a funeral. A few days seem to pass before the next council. Very cinematic preparations and processions are on display for the painted table, as it's time for Rhaenyra's first official council as queen. Potential allies and enemies are the first order of business, and there is quite a bit of dialogue that comes almost straight from Fire and Blood. But unlike Fire and Blood, the Black Queen does not immediately choose violence. Going to war would mean unleashing the most destructive force on the planet. She sees it as a last resort, while Daemon believes that line's already been crossed. Lord Celtigar suggests the use of dragons, that they have an edge there and should press it. Daemon agrees, but Rhaenyra counters by pointing out that nearly every dragon and rider has never seen battle. As Damon is arguing that they must take Harrenhal, another interruption via visitor arrives, a ship containing Otto, Grand Maester Orwell, Sir Arik, and some guards. It's very much a callback to episode two when Otto arrives with a similar contingent, including the Grand Maester, to demand Damon give up the dragon's egg and relinquish Dragonstone. They meet in the same place, just as in episode two, Rhaenyra flies in on Cyrax to take center stage, landing behind the visiting party. Otto's come prepared with multiple diplomatic angles, from the rational to the personal. He offers that they can keep Dragonstone and to give positions of honor to their sons, etc. And he brings the page from Nymeria's book that Rhaenyra tore out back in episode one with Allison. Damon says he'd rather feed his own son to the dragons than accept, but Rhaenyra tells him she'll give answer in one day. The War Council resumes, though, and Damon argues, as he did before, that they're already in a war, that they should act like it. Rhaenyra orders the room clear so as to remind him that there's also the prophecy of the Song of Ice and Fire. But he's seemingly never heard of this. His brother never told him, and this enrages Damon even more. He chokes her while spitting on the idea that omens and portents have any real value to them. Dragons are what matters. She seemed more concerned for him than for herself, even as she was rubbing the feeling back into her throat. Rhaenyra continues to prove that her unwillingness to go straight into war is not a weakness. Even being choked by her own husband didn't intimidate her much from what it seems. She is focused on what she thinks is most important. The sea snake returns. It's a huge moment as we haven't seen him in a while. After making up with Rhaenys, he pulls off yet another interruption of the room of the painted table with his entrance alongside his wife, wows the gathered lords with his full support, and wows them and us even further by declaring he's fully conquered the Stepstones and basically owns the Narrow Sea now. The most powerful lord in the Seven Kingdoms went from almost dead to quite a bit more powerful, and now he's pledged all that strength to Rhaenyra's cause, not to mention Rhaenys and her dragon Melis on top of that. First, they're going to choke off all the shipping to King's Landing to prove their strength while they gauge the rest of the realm's attitude towards each side as Rhaenyra wanted. With the rumors that Jace and Luke are bastards being out there, why not put that to rest somewhat by flying dragons to the castles of the most important lords to help win them over? The dragons are a more certain issue. No matter their true parentage, let the realm be awed by the beasts they ride. While the issue of human allies is being worked out, Damon goes to reconnect with their older draconic friends. In particular, he goes to visit the rancor-looking Vermithor while singing some kind of Valyrian lullaby. Vermithor, called the Bronze Fury, was the dragon of the old King Jaehaerys. He apparently lives now in some place with carved columns and lots of darkness. It's pretty awesome. 
Damon sees himself through the eye of the dragon, and Vermithor sees himself through the eye of Damon. This, alongside the Cyrax flashes Rhaenyra had, seemed to promise an upward trend in the dragon lore. More to come seems strongly implied. The final scene as well indicates much more to come. It's a callback to the Bracken-Blackwood duel a bit, also at Storm's End, back in episode 4, but with dragons instead of blades. And it's a taste of what dragon versus dragon can look like, how incredible they are, how awe-inspiring, and how deadly dangerous. The shot of Vagar surging above Arax, dwarfing him, it's almost unreal. It's like the opening shot of the original Star Wars, the Star Destroyer overtaking and coming down over the ambassadorial ship. This is a diplomatic mission too, and we even have a Luke. Were the dragons responding to the emotions of the riders here as well? Was Vagar fueled by Aemon's need for revenge? Was Arax lashing out in response to Luke's fear? In an episode full of callbacks, perhaps the most important is to Viserys saying, the idea that we control the dragons is an illusion. Storm's End looks incredible amidst the thunder and lightning and darkness. Vagar's appearance from beyond the walls as Luke stands in the courtyard on Arax is an entirely different kind of terror than the blue-eyed horror of the White Walkers. But Aemon gives off exactly that vibe with his taunts and demands for violence while displaying his sapphire eye. However, his face after losing control of Vagar, after watching her end the lives of his nephew and his dragon, was not one of victory or satisfaction. He wanted an eye for an eye, not to kill. Damon delivers the news to Rhaenyra in the final moment of the season. Her third grief of the episode following her father and her infant daughter, now Lucerius as well. Her reaction seems to indicate that the window for negotiations has closed. Luke's final moment came just as the skies were clear, a callback to the first scene of the show after the Great Council. Rhaenyra flying high and carefree and similarly open skies is what we saw then. Those days are gone, and the ones yet to come will be anything but clear and sunny. Season 2 promises a forecast of fire and blood, and you don't need to be Helena to see that coming.